Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, picture this scenario with me for a moment, if you will. And it's one that every parent has experienced. Your toddler sat in a high chair, feeding themselves and surrounded by food mess. Now, their meal is equal parts on the table in front of them, on their clothes, their face. It's everywhere. Now, as a parent, you know, what is your first instinct and how reactive to mess at mealtime are you? As a question, do you let your child be and just explore their food textures and take in the experiences for what it's worth or b do you grab the first sponge or wet wipe that you can get your hands on and frantically clean their face and surroundings which of those two would you do now personally if you ask me (laughs) for what it's worth I'd be more inclined to opt B. I really like a clean and tidy kitchen. And if I had the time, I swear I would have OCD, but time just does not permit for me. (laughs) So it's good for us to know that whatever your reaction is, that it may in fact possibly influence your child's eating habits later on in life, which is exactly what we're here to explore today with our special guest and resident expert in fussy eating, Marie-France Laval. Now, Marie-France is a dietitian, nutritionist, and counsellor originally from France. She's also the CEO of Fussy Eater Solutions, where she offers a range of online and in-home programs to support fussy eaters and their families. Welcome back, Marie-France. How are you doing? I'm very good, Rachel. What about you? Yeah, very excited to chat with you on this topic because I know every parent at some point, of course, has maybe asked themselves this question and or definitely experienced this scenario. And of course, who doesn't love a clean and tidy kitchen and house um, for the most part? But, you know, most of us don't like mess when children are feeding also. So initially, with all your, your, your years experience, do you think it's worthwhile for us to think uh, about the impacts our reactions to children's mealtime mess may have, I guess, on raising a confident eater who can tackle most foods? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I certainly get asked the question all the time by parents who, um, when they start working with me, will start, you know, to assess everything that they do and that they say. And so definitely if you are a bit of a freak clean, Um, it doesn't, it's not going to make your child a fussy eater, but if your child is struggling already with food and you are a freak clean parent, then it may really impact them. Um, So as you said, we want the kids to be able to explore food. Um, And, you know, food is really sensory in nature. So the kids who are really going to struggle from the sensory perspective with food uh, need to be allowed to experiment as much as possible. Mm, okay. Now, there's lots to, to chat about this. I wanted to acknowledge first that we published your article titled Freaky Clean Parent, Fussy Eater Child. Now, for someone who hasn't read your article yet, please tell us what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it. So it really started with the question of one parents I talked to lately who said, you know, I don't allow my child to feed themselves, so is that going to make them fussy? 
And so I wanted to look into this. Obviously, there's no science into this. There are no studies. Um, but we do understand this, you know, the perspective, uh, the, 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 the fact that food is sensory in nature. And yep. so kids are going to be involving themselves. They come into this world and start, you know, experimenting with everything with their math. And eventually, when you get them to the table, they'll start to put their food, their hands into food. Yep. So um, the article was answering that question, um, and I'm happy to discuss it further. Okay, well, let's get stuck into it. Now, with all of your years' experience, I mean, have you found that there is a correlation between parents who are super clean um, and have children who are fussy eaters? So definitely when the children are really struggling from a sensory perspective um, and um, and have parents who are super clean, I found that this is not going to be helpful. So let's say, and at the moment I do have a family like this, uh, a little boy who's really throwing everything on the ground, um, really struggling with the food. And mom is constantly wiping his face, wiping his hands, picking food on the ground. So one of the first things we've done is actually to stop that and make sure that he is allowed to get messy and he gets cleaned up afterwards. So there are several things to look at here. But when you do not a child to allow your child to self-feed, then they're not exploring the food. They're not getting their hands into challenging textures. So think about food um, in this way. You know, it has many different smells. It looks different from one dish to the next. It feels different. It can be sticky. It can be hot. It can be cold. And it can be grainy. So allowing children to feel with their hands gives them a lot of really important information, right? And that's before they even bring the food to their mouth, wow. if they do. So having that information is really uh, important to them. It's, it's just, you know, imagine if we were um, blindfolding ourselves to tackle a new food. We would have to try to work out what it is we're dealing with in our hands would give us much more information to start with. So we want that to happen as much as possible, particularly, you know, the kids who are sensory, they're not going to touch the food. So this is a good indication if you're struggling already and that they are struggling too. So um, give them the possibility to explore with their hands, give them the giving them the possibility to feed themselves is really, really important. So that's one thing. And then if you think about these parents who wipe themselves, wipe the, sorry, if you think about the parents who wipe the children before, during, and after meals constantly, um, that may create really negative association with feeding, right? So imagine this. You have this child. He's got um, sticky puree on his face, um, around his mouth, and for some it's already quite difficult. And then you have this cold wipe that comes in or this spoon. And sometimes think of the spoon, the metal spoon, for example, think of the metal spoon scraping the skin, you know, and that may really create negative associations with um, eating because if you sit down and there's somebody constantly, constantly cleaning you, then it's not so pleasant. Um, but by the same token, having a parent who's very reactive, you know, and cleaning all the time, 
what does that teach the child? If mom is always picking stuff on the floor during the meal. And then, of course, um, you have parents who will show that they're not happy with this, right? They may frown their faces. They may complain. They may say things like, stop dropping the food. Um, they may become negative in the way they interact with the actions that their child is carrying out. So if possible, we also want to avoid this. So it's very difficult dealing with the mess at the table, but it's yeah. worth rethinking it in that context. Um, and one last thing that parents will do, they may avoid all these um, sticky foods I was talking about earlier, the, the dips, um, the sauces, you know. And so um, by doing that and um, not allowing that child to experiment dipping into a sauce, for example, they may deprive them of an opportunity to associate two different foods. For example, they may dip a piece of bread in um, sauce. So here you have the texture of the bread. Let's say it's dry and chewy with the texture of the sauce, which is wet, cold, creamy. Perhaps it's even got lumps. So you can see that now becomes a complex food that perhaps the child was going to explore. So can we allow children to have that happening? Mm. Um, look, I, I do give um, the example of um, actually my sister um, um, years ago when she was a young mother and I didn't have any kids. My niece now is 30. She's a new mom herself. And I remember my sister telling me about this because we were feeding my niece. She had finished a meal and then she was painting her hair with yogurt, which we thought was really funny at the time. We were laughing and we took a picture of this um, so a long time ago. And my sister said, you know, this comes from Françoise Dolto, very famous um, child psychoanalyst um, in France, very, very famous. And uh, she said it's called la bouffe plaisir, which is Tucker pleasure. You know, the idea that uh, food is not just to be put in one's mouth and swallowed. There's a lot going on around it. So can, can it be fun too? Um, and so a good piece of advice would be to allow parents to um, allow for a bit of um, interaction with feeding and perhaps allow for a little bit of playing towards the end of the meal, maybe one or two minutes. Mm -hmm. You don't want the whole experience to be all about playing and throwing foods all the time. If that happens, it often means that there are over underlying issues that we need to understand. Okay. So what I'm hearing, and tell me if this is correct, typically the type of parental behaviours that can impact the chances of a child being raised as a confident eater um, would, for example, be the fact that if, if the parent cannot stand mess in, in, the, in the kitchen um, would be things, for example, like um, uh, wiping the faces during the meal times, um, cleaning up around the, 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 the child and the food, avoiding sticky foods um, and avoiding situations that may create unpleasant atmosphere um, that may, for example, sort of raise some anxiety. Um, so in particular, when we're talking about children who um, are potentially fussy eaters, why is this behaviour not helpful? because it may just create more problems or reinforce the fact that eating is not pleasant, basically. And so you do want to make sure that eating is pleasant. 
And part of eating allows for some degree of exploration for all children, um, if possible. Mm -hmm. And so then why is it unwise to clean a fussy eater's face during mealtimes? As you mentioned before, as tempting as it may be, it's best to refrain from scraping their face with a spoon or a wet wipe at dinner time because this is going to have a negative association with, with, with eating and all that food, would you say? Yeah, so if we do a bit of role reversal, you know, imagine yourself on a chair and having somebody else who feeds you. In fact, it's really interesting to think about the elderly because the elderly, you know, um, in uh, retirement homes will often be fed. And one of the first things you teach people, and I have taught people to feed the elderly, uh, is you should sit down with them. You shouldn't feed from the hide. Um, and you should have that rapport that allows for a comfortable feeding experience. So, um, <laughs> you know, if they're not comfortable, if they don't have their set of teeth, for example, the elderly, how are they going to eat? Um, if you wipe them, how are they going to enjoy the experience? So really with children, we need to think, you know, how would it feel like if we yeah. were in that position and if we had somebody constantly wiping our face, um, and I like to use the idea of the metal spoon because it's really quite unpleasant. Yes, if, of course. Imagine if you do it to your face. Um, so, yeah. So, look, in the end, we want to accept that mess, um, messy years of feeding are going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we can accept that, probably the better. And you mentioned earlier also, so I just wanted to just go back to that for a moment, that when parents are really quick to react to mess with um, with when a child has maybe dropped food and, you know, um, they sort of pick it up and sort of tidy it around as well. Why could maybe like a, a freak neatness or compulsive type of behaviour uh, maybe affect a child who is a fussy eater, do you think? Because it really does create this atmosphere where the parents is really negative. Kids, you know, they tune in this sense, the anxiety, this sense, um, the disapproval from the parent who's really struggling. In fact, I do have another parent and the child is on the spectrum and, and um, this mom is really struggling with mess. And she'll tell me, she says, you know, I, I really can't stand it. So we're trying to make it less so, but her child is very aware of it and he'll, he'll complain about mess on himself. He'll start, you know, ideally I'd like him to be able to relax into a bit of mess. Because that's the risk. He, he himself is really uh, struggling. Um, he's really struggling with more of the sensory uh, sensitivity around the food. So can he become more f- um, comfortable? You know, we've, um, we've worked with things like um, sauce and, and, you know, sticky foods. And so um, it may take him a few minutes to say, you know, it's sticky, showing me his hands. And then relaxing so we don't jump right away to clean this up i try to see how long you can stay in that it's sticky and i acknowledge that it is um so can he learn to relax and then later on can he learn to solve the problem himself so i have another kid i'm thinking of as well who will wipe his hands really well all the time at meal times um and so he works it and works it out himself but he allows for himself to dig in and explore, which, you know, is probably why this particular other child I'm thinking about has done a lot of progress with the food ranch that he's eating because he's really comfortable having his hands in the food 
and then he's really comfortable working out what to do at the end of his meal. And for this reason, is this why you shouldn't avoid sauce and dips as well? Um, as you mentioned earlier on, is to give them the ability to be able to be uncomfortable, which is going to reduce their anxiety in the future? That's exactly what you said. Allowing them to get a little bit uncomfortable and allowing for them to work out what to do mm. as they get older, um, not jumping. You know, we, we, are, we jump. Um, we jump. We always give the, the solution to kids. And so can we just wait a little bit? Can we let them work it out? Can we let them tackle what is bothering them? I think it's really important. And instead of moving on to, I guess, self-feeding, how can not allowing a child to self-feed backfire? I'd love to know. So I met a lot of family. I meet a lot of families, um, and, and there are different cultural backgrounds as well in families that I meet. But let's say for some families, um, it will be um, that traditionally, um, kids are not allowed to feed themselves. So they will be fed for the first two or three years. Um, and you can see the impact it has in terms of them um, advancing the food that they will eat when they become, for a variety of reasons, really fussy. So um, you definitely uh, want to rethink that impact of the, um, the um, not allowing kids to self-feed. So would you say children who are not allowed to self-feed or explore their food, as you were mentioning earlier, in that playful manner may develop um, a lack of uh, interest in feeding time? Do you think that they could potentially become disengaged and passive during sort of dinner time? Yeah, Um, so I'm thinking, I'm so sorry, um, Rachel. Yeah, I'm thinking um, when you say that of these kids who really are struggling and who are not feeding themselves, nor exploring their food. And often the parents will start using a distraction to remove them from the eating process because it's so hard to feed them. And now we have a child who's really disengaging completely from the eating experience. So not only are they not looking at what's on the plate, they're not interacting with it, they're not touching it, um, and the spoon Mm -hmm. comes in um, very mechanically almost. And these kids, you can always see how they are not there. They are not willing participants in um, the eating process. Do you think that they may become concerned about sort of mess themselves? Um, and in that, maybe this behaviour means that the child is at risk of becoming more hesitant to even touch the food also? Well, I would think that if they, um, they get a reaction every time there's mess and that's a disapproval or a stress reaction from the parent, um, then definitely that is um, likely to make fitting and more difficult and mess more difficult for them to accept. Mm. So if we want to raise confident eaters, um, competent eaters, we definitely have to allow for some mess for some years um, in the fitting process. So we almost have to think, you know, how are we going to accept mess? How are we going to manage mess? in a way that's not um, negative or impacting our child negatively. And then so you you mentioned earlier on about the five senses. I'd just love to know why is it so important then that children learn to explore food with all of their five senses? I'd love to know. 
Well, because some of the science really tells us that they cannot, it, it's not, you know, eating is not about grabbing a piece of chicken, putting it in your mouth and swallowing it. Us adults think that this is what it is, um, but it's a lot more complicated than that. So I did say earlier that touching the food gives us a lot of exp- um, um, information about the food. So um, these are steps that or stages that are necessary for a child to then bring a, be able to bring the food to into their mouth and eventually, you know, explore it, perhaps spit it out or explore it and chew it and then spit it out or then perhaps chew it and swallow it. But in your experience, then, do you, does this mean and you think that this could sort of further develop a child struggling from a sensory perspective if they're not using all their five senses during mealtime? So it's not, I mean, you know, it's not if they're not using their five senses at mealtime. It's more that, you know, what they are dealing with at mealtimes. Um, so if they are overwhelmed with, uh, from a sensory perspective, you may have to, um, think the meal differently. Um, but no, I was just really about allowing them to be having this experience so that from a sensory perspective, they can become, become more familiar with those challenging textures or uh, temperatures or, um, or, or simply the variety of food that's at their disposal or that's offered to them. Mm-hmm. So, so for, for the parents that do like a neat and tidy kitchen and and sort of eating environment, then why is accepting that mealtime's messy key? I'd love to know. Well, because it's going to go on for years. <laughs> I, I like to tell the story of my own kitchen. My own kids now are in their early 20s. Um, and I remember, I think they were about seven or eight years old, perhaps for the oldest. The eldest. Um, so it was the time when I realized that my kitchen was finally mine again. There were no food droppings anymore. And I removed, I had this um, tablecloth, like a plasticky type of tablecloth, and I removed it, right? Quite happy with myself. And as I proceeded to clean it, I realized that the bottom edge was all curled back in, and um, there were food scrapings stuck in there from the years of feeding which is not a very pleasant sight, but it shows how much had gone on in these feeding times um, and um, how much you have to bear in the process and allow for it to happen. One day you get your kitchen again. Um, so these days, by the way, there are plenty of products and I think um, you sell quite a few on Kidipedia where you know there are mats to put on the floor that are an easy wipe there are trays that catch the foods before it lands on the floor and you can adapt them to most chairs. <clears throat> so there are a number of things you can do to make your life easier with the mess. And so what about throwing food? I mean, how much should parents really tolerate to find balance with that? Um, I know for a fact I've seen photos of myself um, as, as, a, as a baby and I had pasta, I threw pasta all over the walls and my poor parents had to clean that as well. So it is a very common thing that, that the toddlers do. But, I mean, what about forget dropping it on the floor but throwing food as well? So, you know, often kids will start throwing food on the floor because they are towards the end of the meal. Um, they just had it. So there may come a time where you 
you know, you start saying, I can see you've had enough to eat. Let's see if we can move on from the meal. So you may bring the meal to the end. Um, if they are throwing food and you are reactive, you become a spectator and they want to engage further with you. So they, will, they may end up throwing more food. If you are reacting negatively, then that may add stress to the situation. So it's always a matter of, you know, not taking too much notice and not taking um, excessive throwing on the floor either. So best would be to decide with the child to say, you know, are you, are you still hungry? Um, because I can see you for the food on the ground. So perhaps we're done here. So it's best to bring the meal to the end. The end. Okay. So we've covered off a lot of really helpful information today. If you were to summarize your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what tips can you share that can limit the toll on parents? So the key message is definitely that if you are a freak clean, it is not going to make your child a fussy eater. But if you're struggling with your child and you are a freak clean, then it pays to think about what um, that may do, how reactive you are, um, what that may do to your child's potential in becoming a competent, confident eater. So the, the tip really is take a step back, uh, think, rethink how you view cleaning and how, you know, what is the expense your child is having at mealtimes? Is it positive or is it negative? Is it negative for the both of you? Are you stuck in that, you know, mess I don't like mess my child is messy bubble and that's not helping you and it's not helping them all right this is awesome now if parents have got any questions and or that they would like to reach out to you where can they find you oh they can find me on um, instagram at fussy eater solutions they can find me on my website at fussyeater.com.au Wonderful. And we'll have all of those links in the show notes. Marie France, as always, an absolute pleasure and look forward to chatting with you again in the future. Until then, take care and stay safe. Okay, bye. Thanks, Rachel. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.